It appears that more than any other holiday celebrated in American culture that people want to be with their family the most at Thanksgiving. I think that's interesting. I would think it would be Christmas or something. Yeah. And they really go out of their way to make that happen. Pastor Rex Yancey tells the story of an elderly man in Phoenix who called his son in New York a few days before Thanksgiving, and he says to him, I hate to ruin your day, but I have to tell you that your mother and I are divorcing. Forty-five years of misery is enough. We are sick of each other, and so call your sister in Chicago and tell her. Frantically, the son called his sister, who exploded on the phone. Like heck, they're getting a divorce, she shouted. I'll take care of this. She called Phoenix and said to her father, you're not getting a divorce. Don't do a single thing until we get there. Do you hear me? Father hung up the phone, turned to his wife and said, okay, honey, the kids are coming for Thanksgiving, and they're paying for their own flights. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Ooh. Have to recover from that. <laughs> uh, anyways. Thanksgiving. What exactly is Thanksgiving? Is it just the verbalizing of feelings of appreciation for favorable outcomes or situations? Yes, that is part of it, a big enough part of it that there is an instructional psalm written for giving thanks. Psalm 100, a psalm for giving thanks. That's what it states, a psalm for giving thanks. This is how you do it. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Are you thankful? I can't tell. You're not doing it. You're not doing it. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That's giving thanks, right? Serve the Lord with gladness. You see, it's more than verbalization. It's thanks slash giving. It's not thanks talking. It's thanks giving. Come into his presence with singing. There's the verbalization. Know the Lord. He is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. You know, that was all about sacrifice. There was a sacrifice of thanksgiving where they would enter the courts with gifts in their hands to give to the Lord as expression of thanks. Thanksgiving. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. But that is certainly not all of what Thanksgiving entails. In fact, I don't know any single word that better describes what the Christian life should be than the word thanksgiving, or thankful. As a matter of fact, the word thanksgiving in the Greek reveals how deeply embedded thanksgiving actually is 
as an expression of our faith. Let's look at the use of the word and then its full meaning. 1 Timothy 4, beginning in verse 4. For everything created by God is good. What a nice premise to start with, huh? Everything created by God is good. Nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Now, we reject all kinds of things, all kinds of people. Nothing is to be rejected but to be received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy, now, now catch this, I hope, I hope you catch this, it is made holy by the word of God. God so loved the world that he gave the word. Jesus died for the sin, come on Pat, of, of the world, not the sin of the Christians. The sin of the world's made holy by the word of God. Wow. You can be thankful. You can be thankful. I, I, I got to tell a story. I don't have to put a face to it. I came back from Cambodia. I, I, was, I, I was a wreck. I'm still a mess. I'm still a mess. I still cry every day. And uh, this guy comes by the church during the day and telling me about this situation he has to get to a meeting every week or he's going to get violated for his parole if he misses one meeting it's all the way down in Concord he has no transportation blah 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 he's really in a difficult place and he's a pedophile the meetings are for sex offenders he has to make it and uh, (laughs) after being there and coming to here and He's talking, and the Lord says, you're going to do it. And uh, so he's talking, and I said, it was like right out of Frodo in the Lord of the Rings. You know, he says, I'll do it. I'll take the ring. (laughs) And he just kept talking. He didn't even hear it. He so didn't expect that to come out of my mouth. He didn't hear it. And I said, I'll do it. He started to cry. He just started to cry. And I have to thank the Lord. You know, it's really inconvenient to do this for him because I got to wait an hour and a half for him to do his meeting so I can drive him home. And it's a long day and it's an uncomfortable journey back and forth. But I got to be thankful. I got to be thankful. I have to receive this with thanksgiving because God is working out something in me because I can't validate what happened over there if I can't validate what's happening here. This is the thanksgiving for that. You're understanding this is made holy by the word of God in me. It is made holy by the word of God and prayer. So there's your part in it. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and the good doctrine that you have followed. 
The Greek word for thanksgiving is eucharista. Eucharista. It means gratitude, actually grateful language to God as an act of worship. Thankfulness, giving of thanks, giving. It comes from uh, eucharistos, which means well-favored, that is by implication, grateful or thankful, a derivative of charizomai, to grant as favor, that is gratuitously, in kindness, to pardon, to rescue, to deliver, to forgive, to freely give, to grant. It is the middle voice from charis, graciousness as gratifying of manner or act, abstract or concrete, concrete, literal, figurative or spiritual, especially, now listen to this, especially the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. God's divine influence on the heart reflecting on your life. This is what thankfulness is. Including gratitude, acceptable benefit, favor, gift, grace, joy in liberality, pleasure, thanks, worthy. The theological understanding is the significance of the word is thankfulness equals grace. The root word is grace. Thankfulness is God's grace expressed out of your life by the influence on your heart being expressed out. Isn't that awesome? Undeserved grace granted and given to us as an act of thanksgiving to the Father from Jesus. Thus, out of Eucharista, we also find Eucharist, the broken body of Jesus Christ, given in remembrance of him. That is Jesus expressing his thankfulness to the Father. This is powerful stuff. <laughs> Have a happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> the broken body of Christ given for us so that we might have the free gift of life and life more abundant. And all of this is derived from Cairo, a primary verb to be full of cheer that is calmly happy or well-off, to be well, to be glad, to be joyful, to rejoice. Thankfulness is a form of rejoicing. So when I say thanksgiving, I mean that in the fullest sense of the word and with the multiplicity of its expressions intact. Don't ever minimize thanks slash giving. And whenever you give, do it with thankfulness because God loves a cheerful giver. And now that will never mean the same thing to you again because you understand that the cheerfulness, the joy of giving comes out of what Christ gave. It's a place of brokenness where brokenness leads to life. Psalm 100 verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness as a form of thanksgiving. The Apostle Paul is almost insistent that joy be part of the Christian walk. In Philippians 4.4, 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. 
that would pretty much cover it, except then he says, again I say, rejoice. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, Paul again says, rejoice always. Why should I rejoice always? Why should I be thankful? What's the big push? I mean, life can be hard, right? And you, you guys hear what happened with Bonnie's family? Bonnie's sister, Patty, her extended family up in Caribou, Maine. I saw it on Yahoo last night. The three-year-old son lit a fire, and the whole family was killed. Two twins, two two-year-old twins, the three-year-old and the parents were wiped out. Lord, have mercy. How do you rejoice in the midst of that? How do you rejoice? How do you find strength? You have to find it, that joy that's hidden in the brokenness. As a Christian, I have a reason to be thankful as well as a reason to practice thanksgiving. Second Corinthians 13.11 says, Finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace. And if you rejoice, restore, comfort, agree, and live in peace, the God of love and peace will be with you. Sometimes you have to be intentional against the grain. You have to look for the gem that's hidden in the mud, the silver lining inside the dark cloud. Sometimes you have to search out to find, because as you find it, as you express it, as you're intentional, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Oh, God of, of all glory, you knew this was going to happen, and Lord, you're drawing these children to yourself, and now for all eternity, they're going to be looking on your face. They'll know laughter and joy, no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more pain. You rescued them from a lifetime of whatever we don't even know, but you did, and you called them home and spared them from that, and I can find joy in that because you are good, because you are good. And you love them. And so I celebrate that, oh God. I celebrate the silver lining of that event. Because I know that to be true. Here's the reason for our joy. J Jesus promised us this one sustaining, joy-producing reason to be thankful. In Hebrews 13, 5, second part of that verse, he said... For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Psalm 100, verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. That's hard labor. Right there, that's hard labor to find joy in something as overwhelming as that. That's serving the Lord. How do we do that? The psalmist answers the question in the same verse. It says, come into his presence with singing. Ever done that? Ever been under it? And, you know, 
turn on the worship music and you start singing, all of a sudden it just starts to, to lift. It just starts to lift. You know, we've got to do this stuff. And why shouldn't we? No matter what life deals you, there is recourse. The God of heaven is there. As a Christian, I have someone I can count on in any and all situations. Someone I can depend on. Someone you can depend on. And believe me, I have become thankfully dependent on him and the reality of that truth. When everything else will fail, he won't. I had a boy, boyhood friend, Jimmy Gillespie. I met him when I was in the eighth grade. Uh, we ended up calling him Doc because of Dr. Gillespie. And it was a popular weekly program at that time, so he became Doc to us. A few years ago, I got a call from his sister, Christine, that he had died at 56. This is what she said. He never really recovered from my dad's abuse. His life became so hard, it was really sad. I remember his dad. I, I think it was the first week I, I knew Doc. Uh, I was sitting on a curbstone, my back to a telephone pole across from his house waiting for him to come down. We were going to take off for the day. I remember, th I'm in eighth grade, so what am I, 11, 12? Right? Doc came stumbling down the stairs out of the hallway and almost went over the railing, the outside flight of stairs, ran down the stairs and his dad came and caught up to him on the sidewalk, grabbed him, spun him around and punched him in the face and then kicked him across the street, turned around and went back in the house. That was Doc's life with dad. His dad was angry and a violent alcoholic. He beat him in broad daylight in the street. didn't matter to him. How do you get past that? Where do you find joy at Thanksgiving when your own home is the most dangerous place you know of on the planet? I'm so thankful today that I can give you an answer to that question, that there is an answer, a viable, life-changing, bondage-breaking, sorrow-lifting answer to the pain of life. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus is speaking. He says, come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I had an alcoholic father. I had a stepfather that was very heavy-handed and abusive frequently toward me and my older brother. I had two fathers, and neither one of them participated to any great degree in the ways that would nurture my life. Most of the time, life really hurt. My life became a sad story. Street gangs, violence, drug addiction, violent crimes, prison time, I was lost and spiraling down to a crash landing and a tragic end. But what I didn't know was that I had another father, and I could say a third father, but I've come to know the reality is 
is that he had always been my first father. I just didn't know him yet. My heavenly father, and he loves me, and he loves you. He cares about me, and he cares about you, and he wants me to know joy and a life full of thankfulness. And he wants that for you also. And he was just waiting for me to call out to him so he could rescue me from my most deadly enemy, myself. And if this was my cry to him, it was the feeblest of cries in hiding from men who wanted to end my life down in Florida in a little apartment reading The Source by James Michener. It's a great book if you ever see it. If you want a long read, it's like this thick. And in it, it recounts a lot of the history of the Jews and their the Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, he is one. And on several occasions in the book, someone was laying down their lives for the one true and living God. And it would be the last thing they utter, their last breath would be that statement, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, he is one. And they would be run through with a spear or they would be executed or, or whatever. And the last sentence in the book was that sentence, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, he is one. And I closed the cover and I looked at an empty ceiling and I said, if you really exist, I would want to know you like that. And my last breath would be about you and not about me. Three days later, he introduced himself to me. And I accepted him as my savior, and a day later, I accepted him as my Lord. And there's a difference. I never regret having done that. I am so thankful for that day. Today, also, you can know him in the joy of a thankful heart, a heart surrendered to Jesus. You might know him as savior, but you know him as Lord. You might know him as Lord, but have you died to self so that he's living through you? I mean, it just keeps rolling on. There's so much to be thankful for in Christ. So we're going to close today with communion. I think it's appropriate in this time of Eucharista, in this time of Thanksgiving, thankfulness. You guys want to set up? To remember that through the Eucharist, we can do what the writer of Hebrews suggests. In Hebrews 12, too, he says, looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus. The founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. eternally thankful to the Father because the joy that he saw was us. Looking down, just look at John's prayer in John 17 when Jesus prayed. And I pray not only for these, but for all who will believe from their word. He looked down through history and saw the joy of your faces, worshiping him in thankfulness. He endured the cross.
So I'd like to pray, and, and perhaps as I pray, Holy Spirit will move your heart into a deeper revelation of his work of salvation that Jesus offers to you, the, the joy of, of being thankful in that as he invites you deeper into his kingdom, a kingdom that Romans 14, 7 states is a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost.